If you have your Bible today, I'd like you to open with me to the book of Luke. We'll be in Luke chapter 12, and we will begin in verse 13 in just a moment. Luke chapter 12 and verse 13. And today I'm going to do something, I'm going to endeavor to do something that's nigh impossible for me, and that is I'm going to try and preach over several verses in a reasonable amount of time. Um, it seems like I, the, the longer that I preach, the more that I say about less. And so I'm going to try, and, and this, this text is, is kind of long, and it all fits together, I think. And so what I want us to do is I want us to look kind of like if, if you've ever flown in an airplane and you get up high enough and, and all these fields that maybe you're familiar with and you know what they look like down on the, on the ground level, when you're up high, it looks a little bit different. And you can kind of pick out some maybe landmarks or something like that. That's kind of the view we're going to take of, of uh, this scripture. We're not going to be down in the weeds as much as what we normally would be, but we're just going to kind of take a, a 30,000 foot view and try and see some landmarks. And I'll point out a couple things along the way, and hopefully we'll be able to get through this um, uh, sometime uh, today. And so uh, the, the point of this sermon and the point of the text that Jesus uh, gives us is that we need to be aware of every form of greed. And that's, uh, that's really what I want us to focus on. And, and when we see that attitude of covetousness or greed taking root in our hearts, we need to uproot that and, and get rid of it. So if you found Luke chapter 12 and you're able, I'd like you to stand with me in honor of God's word. We'll pick up in verse 13. And uh, we'll read to the end of this little section. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who appointed me a judge or arbiter, arbitrator over you? Then he said to them, Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed, for not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, This is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your soul is required of you, and now who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who stores up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God. He said to his disciples, For this reason I say to you, Do not worry about your life as to what you will eat, nor for your body as to what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap. They have no storeroom or barn, and yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than the birds? And which of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life span? If then you cannot do even a very uh, little thing, why do you worry about other matters? Consider the lilies how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. But I tell you, not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass in the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, how much more will he clothe you, you men of little faith? And do not seek what you will eat and what you will drink, and do not, worry, and do not keep worrying. For all these things the nations of the world eagerly seek. But your father knows that you have that you need these things. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to charity. Make yourselves money belts which you not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Thank you. you may be seated. <clears throat> Now, the first thing I want you to see 
in our text is the story. And I've, I've kind of broken this down into two big, I guess, mega sections, I guess you call it. Uh, but the first part of this text deals with the story. Now, understand what's happening. Jesus has just gotten through talking about the unpardonable sin. He's talked about this very somber, this very solemn uh, uh, topic about this sin which could not be forgiven. That is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. We looked at that last week. And so you would think that, that the people, as they heard this, as Jesus concludes his remarks, that they would ponder. That there would be a moment of silence as people began to think about what Jesus said. And they would begin to apply it to their lives. And they would think, have I done this? And, and am I guilty of this sin? And, and what about my friends and, and loved ones? And, and, and be in an attitude of prayer. But yet, in the middle of this, uh, just at the conclusion of these remarks, this man yells out, Jesus, I'm, t- I'm telling on my brother. Tell him, to, tell him to divide the inheritance with me. I mean, this guy was deaf to the things that Jesus was talking about. And I wonder how many times, some, sometimes we come to church and... And we, we leave in the same condition that what we came in in. And, and, and we don't really ponder those things that, um, that, that have been told to us. And that's what's happening with this guy. He, he's deaf to the things that Jesus has just gone through saying. Now, there are a few things that stand out about his request I want you to see. First, it is obviously rooted in greed or covetousness. Whatever word you want to use, same thing. Now, we know this because Jesus takes this opportunity... To teach not only this man, but his disciples and the crowds and us today about greed, about covetousness. And the whole reason Jesus told his parable was to teach them not to have the attitude this guy had. Now, now the second thing I want you to see here is that it's unclear which brother is in the wrong. Because when you read this, I mean, you can take it one of two or three ways. Now, we know there's been a death in the family. That's when an inheritance is divided. So probably the dad has died uh, sometime recently. And we don't know which one's in the wrong. It could be this man is complaining about the oldest brother. And it could be that, uh, now we know from, from past times that we've discussed things, the oldest son got a double portion of the inheritance. And then whatever's left, the rest of the siblings got divided up evenly. So it could be that this man... This older brother was trying to keep the inheritance all for himself. He didn't want to divvy it up to the rest of the family. Maybe he was the one that was, that was helping take care of dad and his failing health and all the other siblings weren't, doing, weren't, pulling, their, weren't pulling their weight. Maybe he was just, maybe he was just greedy and, and thought, you know, I deserve this. I'm worth it. Maybe any number of, of reasonings that he had within himself, maybe that's what was going on. Or it could be this man in the crowd was in the wrong. Because he might have been put out. The older brother was getting more than him. And, and he didn't like that dad, even though that was the law and that was the tradition, maybe he, you know what, he was the one that was always helping out. And the oldest brother, he was kind of the bum in the family. Now, we all have the bums in the family, right? Now, you, you probably don't. Don't answer that question. But, but you know what I'm talking about. There are people in the family that tend to pull more weight than everybody else. They're the ones that are, you know, when mom and dad's having troubles or, or family's coming, something's going on, they're always there helping. And, you know, that, that other sibling is, they just can't be bothered. They've always got something going on. And maybe this, maybe this oldest son was like that, and, and this guy thought, you know what? It's not fair that he gets twice as much as me. Or it could be that this man, 
that had the inheritance was the oldest brother. And this man, the younger brother, younger of the two, he was wanting his share and the older brother was kind of dragging his feet. And he wanted his cut of the estate. We don't know exactly who is in the wrong on this. We know that the, that the, the attitude behind it all, according to Jesus, is one of greed and covetousness. And I want you to notice this about the, about the, the attitude that's behind it all. The attitude behind this greed or covetousness, it's powerful. Now, I'm not going to ask you if you've seen this in your family, and I'm not trying to bring up any bad memories. But I've seen it, and I know you have too. When there's a death in the family, these families that have gotten along maybe great for many, many years. There's a death in the family. There's an inheritance to be divided, and what happens? There's squabbling. There's fighting. People do and say things that you never think were possible. Now, part of it is because they're dealing with their own grief, and and frankly, and this is not a, 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 a psychological uh, examination, but when you're dealing with grief, it kind of makes you a little crazy, right? You, it, you're not in your right mind. And so part of it is that, but part of it is because uh, of this, this covetousness that's in the heart. Because this attitude of greed and covetousness is so strong, it makes people not care too much about their family members. It makes them care more about the money in the bank than the family member in front of them, even the closest to them. It's a powerful, powerful sin. Now, to combat this, Jesus tells this famous story about this man who has a field. Now, again, we're going to take kind of a 30,000-foot view of this story. And I just want to point out a couple of, of landmarks along the way. First, I want you to know this man got his money in, a, it, in the right way. I mean, this guy had a productive field. He got his crops in the ground at the right time. And, and maybe I know that livestock is more than a thing around here. I grew up in southern Illinois where everything was all, I mean, there, were, there was livestock, but it was mostly uh, crops. That was the type of farming that she did. And so I... I I've seen this, and you probably have too, to some extent. I mean, the weather plays a huge role in in what you're what you're raising, and so this guy he got his his crops in at just the right time, and the weather cooperated, and he got rain just when it was just when it was needed. He got good sunshine. He got he got the harvest in at just the right time. I mean, it didn't rain him out. He didn't have hail knock it down. He didn't have the neighbor's fence didn't get torn down. The cows get out in it. I mean, everything was working right. His machinery didn't break down. That's a miracle in itself. I mean, everything was working right for this man. And it was a productive year. So much so, he didn't have room to store all of his produce. I mean, it is a bumper crop. Now, again, I want you to note, this man gained his wealth the right way. He didn't rip anybody off. He had not gained this wealth through underhanded deals it was the sweat of his brow and god's grace i mean that's that's what it was it it was it it in other words this is not the typical picture we think of when we think of somebody that's greedy and i think that's why jesus said be on your guard against every form of greed because because not every greedy person looks like scrooge mcduck swimming in gold coins it it can be a farmer the same as it can be a businessman and I want you to notice the anxiety of this man's question in verse 17. 
Look at your look at your Bible. He says, "What shall I do? What shall I do?" The poorest person in society could not have said a more worrisome phrase. What am I going to do? In other words, as somebody well noted, his prosperity brought perplexity. So he came up with a plan. He said, "I'm going to tear down all my barns." The word used there means granaries. I'm going to tear down my barns, and I'm going to build new ones in their place. And I'm going to kick back and relax for years to come. And on the very night that he finished his one-year, three-year, five-year plan, on that very night when he said, I've got lots of years ahead of me, God took his soul. He required his soul of him. And all this stuff that he had gained was left to somebody else. Now, I think there are two main lessons we can draw from this. The first, and really both of them are common sense, but especially this first one. Greed is inherently and intensely self-centered. Greed is inherently and intensely self-centered. Look at his internal monologue as he's talking to himself in in your text. Just scroll down through there with your eyes. Scan down through there with your eyes. No less than ten times he uses the word I or my when he's thinking about his stuff. He never considers this land was productive because of God's blessing. He never pauses to say, you know what, I did all this work, but really I know that I do that same amount of work every year, and a lot of years it doesn't turn out this way. This is because of God. Nor does he say, I have all this wealth. How am I going to spend this? How, what am I going to do with it? Hey, I know my neighbor is in need. My neighbor lost his job. My neighbor has, has gotten injured on the job. My neighbor just had his, his fifth kid born in his family. They probably needed a little bit extra. And so I'm going to take some of this wealth that I have, some of this produce I have, and I'm going to share it. There's no thought of anybody else. There's no thought of God. There's no thought of, of anyone or anything except I, my, me. It's all about me. It's self-centered. The second thing that I want you to see is that all this stuff could not extend his life by a single moment. And this is, you know this is true. When it's your time to die, you're going to die. No amount of money that you have, no amount of possessions that you have, uh, no amount of, of wealth, no amount of even uh, health care. When it's your time and God calls you home, that's it. And, and, and you say, well, I don't have barnfuls of stuff. How does this apply to me? You do have a soul. And we don't know, but, but this very night, your soul may be required of you or me, and it could be any one of us. And therefore, if we are wise, we would always be ready to meet him. So we have this, this story that teaches us um, about this, this self-centeredness and, and all the rest. But the second part of it, of, of, of our text, deals with worry. Worry. And specifically, don't do it. Now, originally, whenever I was working my way through this, I was going to preach on this parable as a section. Then the next week, I was going to preach on this call to trust God and not worry and so on and so forth. But I noticed something as I, as I read through this whole thing, and, and I, I, I tried to read with my eyes open and notice things. <coughs> and one of the things that I noticed was what scholars call an inclusio. And that's, that's a, a fancy word that means a literary sandwich. Okay, And so if you look back at the beginning of our text, Jesus starts talking about our view of possessions. 
and how we should handle our possessions and, and the, the attitude that we have towards possessions. And then he talks about this man that, that has these barns. And then he talks about worry and how, well, the, the ravens, the, the, the crows, they don't have barns. And then at the very end, he talks about the right view of possessions and what, how we handle possessions and sell what you have and, and, and so on and so forth. And what an inclusio is, is a, a, an author will start with an idea and he'll end with that same idea. And it's kind of like a sandwich. That's kind of like the bun. And all the stuff in the middle is the meat of the sandwich. Okay, so whenever he starts with this right view of possessions and he ends with this view of, right view of possessions, all the stuff in the middle is, all that goes together. And so that's what we have here. And so I, I ask myself, how does this talk about worry deal with greed? Because that's, that's all lumped in here together. And, and there's, there's this, this common theme that runs through it all. How do we, how do we put all this together? Well, um, first, I've, one of the things it teaches us here is that we need to take our focus off of stuff. Jesus talks about the things that we eat, the things that we drink, the things that we wear. And the greedy person is focused not on eternity but on things. The greedy person is focused on their possessions. They're focused on material things and, and the things of this life. That's where their focus is. And Jesus says you don't need to worry about all that stuff. Literally, just the stuff. But second, the greedy person is greedy because they're discontent with what God's given them. A greedy person is greedy because they're discontent with what God has given them. They identify with the rich man in, in history who was asked how much will be enough and what did he say? Just a little more. Just a little more. And, and the, the greedy person is not content with their lot in life. They're not content with what God's given them. They want just a little more. They'll always find somebody to compare themselves to and they'll always be lacking. It doesn't matter who they are. And Jesus teaches us we need not worry about having enough because God will take care of us. Because he cares for the grass of the field. He cares that, that's, that's used as, as fuel for fire. He cares for the ravens, which are an unclean animal. And if God's going to care for a bird, which doesn't account for a whole lot, and if he's not only going to care for a bird, but one that's unclean, he will care for you and me, who not only bear his image, but are his children. Now, once you're looking in at verses 31 to 34, right at the end of the text... Jesus, let's read what it says. It says, But seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to charity. Make for yourselves money belts which do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. <coughs> Excuse me. Now again, just kind of taking a big view of all of it. What does he say? Well, first, he says in this section that we need to make God and his kingdom our priority in life, not the accumulation of riches. We need to, we need to have an eternal perspective. Because what happens many times in life is people put so much time and effort and, and all this into climbing the ladder, they get to the top and find that the ladder's leaning against the wrong building. They've they, they'll, they'll climb to the top of the social ladder. They'll climb to the top of the corporate ladder. And when they get to the top, after they've ascended all the way to the peaks, all the way to the heights, they'll look around and realize that they've put all their, all their effort and all their focus 
into something that in eternity doesn't really matter. They put it into the wrong thing. And listen, wealth is not a bad thing. Having your heart set on wealth is a bad thing. The Bible doesn't say money is the root of all kinds of evil, but rather the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Instead of putting our attention and effort and affection on on the things of this world which ultimately pass away, and which will ultimately be left to somebody when we pass away, Jesus counsels us here, he instructs us here, to rather seek first his kingdom, to set our affections on his kingdom, to strive for his kingdom. And when we do that, we can be sure that God will give us what we need. He will take care of us. That's why verse 33 comes after verse 31. Because verse 31, seek his kingdom. Verse 33, sell your possessions. If we have an eternal perspective, if we really care that Jesus will provide for us, that God will provide for us in this life, if we really believe that, then we will hold on to our possessions much more loosely. And when we see those needs, we will try to help people. We will give to charity, as, as Jesus says. We will, knowing that He will provide for us, we will use those, those things that God has entrusted to us as a tool, and, that will, and in doing so, we will reap an eternal reward. Jesus uses the imagery of banking. And basically what he's saying is, when, when we do these things, when we take what God's entrusted to us and we use it for His glory and to advance His kingdom, we're, putting, we're depositing that money in heaven's account. And then, rather than leave all of our stuff behind when we die, when we do that, when we die, we've already sent on ahead, and it will be waiting for us in heaven. It, it, this, will, this will enable us to give generously. Because as we sang earlier, it'll, we'll recognize this world is not my home. That, that, that we're, we're just down here for a, a short time. This is not the end for which we're created. The things that we have, we realize are on loan from us, are on loan to us from God. We're just stewards. And so... This will enable us, empower us, help us to give generously, to give abundantly, to, to help people in need, to make an eternal difference in somebody's life. And how we do that? Well, we do it through things like tithes and offerings, Operation Christmas Child that we do, that we, that we send over that, uh, those gifts along with the gospel message, uh, Bible school, uh, the special missions offerings that we take up, any number of things are ways that we can use what God's entrusted to us to help spread His gospel, to help spread His kingdom. <coughs> Excuse me. And when we do those things, Jesus says we're investing in eternity. It goes on ahead of us. Now the reason we do this Right at the, end of, uh, at the end of the text, verse 34. Because where our treasure is, that's where our heart is going to be. That's where our efforts are going to be directed. That's what we're going to think about. That's where our affections are going to lie. That's, where, that's how we're going to organize our lives. If our treasure's in things, that's where we're going to be focused on. Uh, on getting all you can and canning all you get. It's going to be focused on, on more stuff. But Jesus says... The wise man will put his treasure 
in heaven. And when, when our treasure is there, that's, how we'll, that's where our affections will lie. That's how we, that's, that will cause us to organize and structure our lives differently. Now, a test that you can apply to yourself on whether, how, how does this all affect you? Take out your check registry sometime. Say, well, I don't have check registry. Well, get out your, get, get onto your online banking have whatever it is you use, and you just start looking down through those, through those entries. What does your spending say about your heart? Jesus said, "Where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. What you spend your money on is what's important to you." Think about where that money goes. To use Jesus' words as a rubric, how are you doing on that test? Because what we spend our money on, that's what our priority is. Do you have an eternal perspective? Do you give generously? Do you invest not only for time but for eternity? Is that not what Jesus calls us to do? Why? Because neither worry nor wealth will extend our lives by a single moment. Sometimes we we wish that we could have just a, a little more time we wish the, that we could put the brakes on things I mean I, I've, I've heard my whole life that the older you get the faster time goes and the older I'm getting the, the more I'm seeing that and sometimes we wish we just tack on another hour or so no matter how much we wish that could be the case no matter how much wealth we have no matter how much worry we, we, we're, we're putting into it it's not going to help. It's not going to extend our lives by a single moment. And in the end, we will stand before God. Even if we could extend it by an hour, you're still going to stand before God one day. We'll all have to give an account for what, how we've managed what He's entrusted to us. We'll all have to give an account for what we've done in this life. Do you live for you and you alone? Are you like this farmer who said, all I and my and it's all about me? Or do you ever consider how you might help somebody else? How you might spread God's kingdom? Again, not so that you'll earn your way to heaven, but, but, but this should come naturally from a changed heart. And you say, well, Pastor, again, I, I, don't, have, I don't have two nickels to rub together right now. Well, as I said before, you still have a soul. And you would be wise to be ready to stand before God. Because that's why it's imperative. Because God could call any of us home at any time. And that's why we would do well to believe on Christ while the offer is extended and we have breath in our lungs. To repent of our sins and trust Christ for salvation. If you've never done that, again, I... I, I, I encourage you, I call on you, I, I plead with you to do that today. Why don't you stand with me as uh, musicians come. And as you stand, I ask you, bow your heads and close your eyes. And with nobody looking around, I just, I just want you to do some, have a time of introspection. Do you have a greedy, covetous 
heart. Now, I'm not saying do you never, uh, I mean, the, the standard isn't if you only do things for yourself. I mean, you may, you may, you may give big checks to different charities. You may give different time, uh, amounts of time to charities. She can still have that greedy heart. Say, well, I don't, I don't rip anybody off. I don't do underhanded deals in the of this farmer. But it's all about me and my and I. And, and he won more stuff. And he, he had that covetous heart. Didn't think about God. Didn't think about people. Are you ready to stand before God if, if he demands your soul this night? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you deal with those secret sins of the heart and things that may be secret to others it is not a secret to you. God, I pray that you would work in each of our hearts let us know if we've gotten our focus in the wrong place where we focus on things and possessions and, and income and, and inheritance and, and all the rest. God, I pray that you would help us to identify that and then uh, repent of it. Confess that to you and help us to get our focus off of self and onto Christ. Help us all to seek first his kingdom. And Lord, if there's somebody who's listening to me that has never accepted Christ as their Savior, they've never, they are not ready to stand before you. Lord, I pray that, that even today that they would get right with you. In Jesus' name, amen.